the message is one can change the world. I want to give you some pointers on how to be prophetic at this Christmas season and how the one that can change the world is you. And it could be one word and it could be at the right time and in the right place. And so we want to be a people who are prophetic and bringing the testimony of Jesus to bear wherever we go at this season. First of all, let's look at the text this morning, Revelation 19.10. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus, when you talk about Jesus, something happens in the spirit realm and there's a prophetic significance because as Paul said, that people are one by the foolishness of preaching or the foolishness of proclaiming or speaking the testimony of Jesus. You all got saved not because someone had a very clever argument. Someone didn't win you over by logic or intellect, though that may have been involved. But you got saved because the prophetic Spirit of God came at the significant moment in time to spark faith and ignite life eternal in you. And you have that same ability through the obedience of the Lord to testify of Jesus. And there's prophetic power for that. And we can see this in the life of Christ. Because the right time with the right word and the right person is the story of Jesus. Those threefold things are the story that take place in our Christmas testimony of the birth of Christ. It was at the right time, it was the right word, and of course He is the right person. But God is calling you to be the right time, right word, and right person to be significant. Let's start with the first one, at the right time. It says in Galatians 4.4, But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law. This is a tremendous phrase that I always find myself attracted back to at Christmas. In the fullness of time. Time was pregnant. From the very beginning of time till when Christ returns, the end of time, there was a fullness of time when Christ had to come had to be established. And it was full and pregnant for that moment and for that time. One man said this, time crests like a wave and there is a right moment for things to happen. It's not ours to plan that moment, but to recognize that moment. When he says the fullness of time, it wasn't because men did this and man did that. It was because God orchestrated all things to this punctiliar moment if you will, to that one second when it was right for Christ to come into the earth. It's a prophetic moment. It is ordained of God. And what's amazing, brothers and sisters, is you and I live in those moments. We don't create them. We must recognize them. That should give you uh, uh, strength and courage to do what you do. When the Spirit's tugging on you, when the Spirit says, come on, say something. Know that heaven and earth are full and pregnant of a prophetic moment right there. Have the confidence to know that God's saying, yes, speak. It's the time. Now don't get discouraged. Don't get discouraged. Because a lot of times you think God said something. You're recognizing the prophetic time to speak, the moment, and, and it lies there flat. How many have ever had that experience? I want to show you something about the birth of Jesus. This, this is a famous painting. 
by uh, Peter Bruegel, the, the, the elder, uh, a Flemish Dutch painter. Um, what's interesting is this is called the census. That's supposed to be Bethlehem. Interesting, you know, he painted in his time period. So when he's looking at Bethlehem, he's painting uh, houses that he recognized in his hometown. But what's interesting about this painting is it's like Where's Waldo? Because where's Mary and Joseph in all of this? When we read the Christmas story, we think that they walked into Bethlehem with a spotlight on them. Nobody knew them. No one cared about them. They're in the midst of this thing, standing in line, trying to get food or get room for an end. Life is going on around them. When Jesus was born, life was active. Come on, this is one baby in the whole world. Insignificant, yet completely significant. So don't get frustrated. There she is, in a world that's going on unaware of what God is doing. Do you know what that's what it's like out there every day when you walk out there? They are completely unaware of you, unaware of God and His work. And you're coming to birth the testimony of Jesus into their, their lives. They don't even know the King of Kings is being born in that city of Bethlehem. Look at the world population in when Jesus was born. What's interesting about this chart is they ballooned the continents according to population. Most of the population is, is over here in Asia and China, as some in Europe. But consider that when Jesus is being born into the world, the only people around were not Jews and Romans. There was a big world with people all over. And one baby's being born. So I'm trying to get... See, see one little thing can change the world and change the population. In 1 AD, they figured that the world population was about 138 million people. And so we see the great significance of that event, but I want you to see that the rest of the world was unaffected and unaware what, of what God was doing. But one life changed the world. You can't go anywhere in the world without knowing or hearing or seeing the name of Jesus. And the message of the gospel for 2,000 years has been penetrating. So when you go into your family's house at Christmas, and all your relatives are there, and it seems like nobody's a believer, and you're the only one, like baby Jesus, going into a world that doesn't care, you make a difference, just like he did. It's the right time. One baby is born to save the human race. Why was this the fullness of time? Well, why right now? Well, when you figure it was by this time that the Jews had compiled the Old Testament writings of all the prophecies and the prophetic books. So it was in this time before Christ was born, the Old Testament was canonized. So now we have the written word for people to read and understand. Secondly, the Greek language had spread around the world to where most of the world was speaking one language now. Koine Greek, and so people could speak wherever they were. And thirdly, in human government, the Roman power uh, had established a major road system throughout the then known populated world. And therefore, God had used all of this for the right time because the message was written, the language was ready, and the roads were prepared for the gospel to go. 
When you go to speak to your family, to your friends, or at work, understand God's been doing something behind the scenes you don't even know about. There is significance in your life. God is moving and arranging and flowing. We think He's busy doing other things. But there's such mastery and beauty moving in and out of your lives that God is establishing timing to be perfect. The waitress you get tonight when you go for a meal is the one God wanted you to speak to. You've got to walk like that. You've got to believe like that. Do you think your life is that random? That God doesn't pay attention. You've got to understand that it's the right time. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And so God establishes the right time in your lives. Well, then we know this. He establishes the right word. We know that Jesus is the right word. He's the only word, isn't He? Let me read to you a couple scriptures. Luke chapter 1, Luke's talking about Christ. He says, Luke 1 verse 1, Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the Word. They keep calling Him the Word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I decided to write in an orderly account for you O most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you've been taught. I've investigated it. Now that's the key to Christianity. The key to Christianity is that it happened in time and in space. There are eyewitnesses and historical facts and accounts that prove the validity of Christianity. It's not a fable. It's not a story written by guys who conceived and came up with an idea. This is written by secular people, secular historians. There is accurate accounts, eyewitnesses, and as Luke said, I investigated all of it. And this word is a sure word. Have you investigated the word of Jesus? Have you testified to the fact that this is a sure word coming out of your mouth? We need to be ready to preach the Word in season and out of season, Paul told Timothy. You know what that means? At any moment, it may be the prophetic moment God wants you to speak. Are you ready? Luke said, I investigated it. I studied it. And I have put it in such a way that you're going to understand this thing. Prepare a Word. God prepared His Word for mankind. In 1 John 1, 1, it says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we've seen with our eyes, which He looked at, and our hands have touched. 1 John 1, Our hands touched, our eyes saw. This we proclaim concerning the Word of life. They had testimony of Jesus. The testimony you have, tell them about Jesus. Tell them about Jesus in your life. That's your testimony. That has power and significance. They can say, oh, that never happened. Yeah, it did. I'm telling you what happened. You can't contradict what happened in my life. I'm telling you what happened. This happened. And so the testimony, John had testimony. He said, we heard him. We saw him. We touched him. And the life appeared. We've seen it and testify to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have the fellowship with us. 
Can I tell you the truth about Jesus? I like that. Our brother Daniel from uh, Bethlehem, uh, the missionary to Bethlehem that was with us a number of weeks ago, uh, was sharing with my wife and I that this is his approach when he's testifying to Jesus. He tells folks, can I tell you the truth about Jesus? And, and I've been trying that, and I'll tell you, it's a great way to present it because people have heard about Jesus all the time. Can I tell you about Jesus? Yeah, well, I know about Jesus. Can I tell you the truth about Jesus? Well, what do you mean, the truth? Well, there's a lot of bad information going around about Jesus. There's a lot of misconceptions. Can I tell you the truth? It opens a door up. And there's a truth in your life that is a testimony, that is prophetic and it's significant. That's what attracts people to the message. It's real. Let the message be real. It's got to come out of you and your life experience. Tell them what Jesus has done for you. Tell them of your love for Him and His love for you. That's what John's saying. That's what the New Testament writers are saying. We've seen Him. We've heard Him. we touched Him. He's real. God in flesh is real. Hebrews 1, In the past God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days He's spoken to us by His Son whom He appointed heir of all things. That Son is still speaking. You're the mouthpiece. So at the right time, He wants to give you the right words. And the right words is the testimony of what He did for you. The testimony of Jesus. Amen? Last of all, John says this, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We've seen His glory and the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father. Full of grace and truth. Have you recognized that every one of these references to Jesus, they call Him the Word, the Word, the Word, and they also reference their witness. We touched Him, we saw Him, we heard Him. That's how we must witness. He touched me, I heard Him, I see Him. I know Him. And what is that Word in a right season at the right moment? What is the prophetic significance? It must be full of grace and truth. Can I tell you the truth about Jesus? It's a great door to open with people. Do you know the truth about Jesus? Ask him like that. Do you know the truth about Christmas? Do you know the truth about the Savior's birth? What are you talking about? You see, the right time, the right word, and then last of all, the right person. We talk about people all the time, but there's one person, one baby born in this earth, that has changed time and human existence forever. The right person is Jesus Christ. Now what amazes me is that God is saying to all of us here today, you're my person to testify. But we'd say, God, I'm not very good at this. I just, you know, I'm not eloquent. I don't know what to say. I'm shy. I'm bashful. I'm afraid I'm going to mess it up. There's sin in my life. I'm not the best witness Take this guy. He's amazing. Can I tell you that there is nobody amazing in this church today right now? My sin, your sin, look it, would disqualify all of us. God's grace qualified every one of us. His grace qualified us, and His grace says you and you. You're the right person for this job. 
You're the right person to witness to those young people at school. You're the right person at that job to witness. You're the right person at the right time with the right testimony that's standing on this street corner with that person coming up to you. You're the man or woman. You're the right one. But I'm so messed up. I want to show you something. So was Jesus' family tree. It was so messed up with sin, we couldn't imagine that God could use him. Because his family messed him up royally. Does that happen to any of you? I came from a really dysfunctional family. So did Jesus! Let me prove it to you. But God can redeem it. Let me just show you something right away. Uh, We know that prophetically that Jesus is supposed to be born of the tribe of Judah. The scepter shall not depart from Judah. The kingship of Messiah is supposed to come through Judah. Well, we have a problem right in Judah's life. And I've shared this with you before, but it's one of my favorite aspects of Christ. You see, Judah uh, had a daughter-in-law named Tamar. And she married one of his sons, and he died. So she married another son, and he died. So she married another son, and he died. None of the other sons wanted to marry this girl. Uh, Now, they're supposed to, but... You know, they invited her to family functions, but that's about it. So then... uh, uh, Tamar needs a husband according to the law of Deuteronomy. And uh, so long story short, she dresses up like a prostitute and Judah, that pillar of righteousness, goes uh, looking for a prostitute and sleeps with his daughter-in-law, not knowing it. She gets pregnant. It's an amazing story, very involved and interesting. Uh, and you thought soap operas were good. This is better. Deuteronomy 23.2 says that an illegitimate son causes the bloodline to be disinherited for ten generations. How is Messiah going to come through a bloodline of Judah when it's been cursed by the law for ten generations? Well, take a look. Judah begat Perez... And Hezron, Ram, you can count right on down here. And guess who number 10 is? King David. That's why Saul was not supposed to be king. God had always planned for Israel to have a king. It was written in Deuteronomy. It was written in the law. But they wanted a king now. They couldn't have a king from Judah properly. But they wanted a king. So they got one from the tribe of Benjamin. But that's not God's anointed man. It was out of time. That's why God didn't want them to have a king at that time. He was out of line. The line was cursed. But out of the cursing came what? A blessing. Out of a cursed life, out of a life of sin comes blessing. You're the tenth generation, in other words. Because you were born in Jesus Christ. He broke the power of sin in your life. You might have messed up. You might have fallen. You might have been cursed or whatever it is. But in Christ Jesus, you're the man. You're the right person for right now. For your family and for your friends. I go on. Let's look at the genealogy. Matthew's genealogy. It starts in Matthew 1.1 and it talks about the line of Joseph. And it takes it back through Solomon. And Solomon's line. And as we go back through Solomon's line... Takes us back to Abraham. So Matthew shows us the Jewish 
lineage. Luke shows us Mary's genealogy. Mary herself was of the tribe of Judah as well. She descended from King David as well. Isn't that interesting? Joseph came from King David. Mary came from King David. Isn't it interesting that in that small town of Nazareth, you had two people from the line of David that came together, the right people at the right time. Isn't that awesome? This is such an amazing story when you look at the genealogies and you consider that Matthew's genealogy tells the genealogy of Joseph. And when you go back in Joseph's history, you'll see that he was from the line of Solomon. Solomon was David's son, wasn't he? And David made Solomon the king. And so actually, Joseph came from the royal lineage of Solomon. Joseph, the carpenter guy in Bethlehem. He wasn't just some obscure guy. But it had been working through human history and time that God was bringing him together to another young lady. And Luke gives us her genealogy. Luke tells us that as you look at Mary's genealogy, she comes all the way back from Nathan, the son of David, who happened to be the firstborn of David. Now the firstborn was the legal heir to the throne. But David chose Solomon. Solomon was king, so he's the royal heir. But Nathan was the legal heir. So you have Joseph and Mary. Two obscure people. Who are they? No one knows. They were both in the lineage of the king of Israel, David. But throw in another complication of sin. Jeremiah 22. Jehoiakim of the line of Solomon was evil. And God said this in Jeremiah 22 about him. Thus says the Lord, Write this man down as childless. A man, will not, a man who will not prosper in his days, for no man of his descendants will prosper sitting on the throne of David or ruling again in Judah. God just cursed the line of Judah because of this man's sin. Now wait a minute. He said no man will sit or prosper on the throne of Judah. We've got a real problem here. Because Joseph's line, the rightful line and royal line of the king of Judah, is cursed. Now Jesus is coming from a cursed background. He comes as a man. Adam's lineage is cursed. Born under the sin. Now, the kingly line of David is cursed for him to rule as king. What are we going to do? How do you bypass all this mess that we have. Well, first of all, Jesus was born to the Virgin Mary. She was a virgin. And so Jesus was born of the seed of God. And so the blood of Jesus never mingled with the blood of Adam. It never touched Mary's blood. So He was not of the seed of Adam. He was the seed of God, though He was fully man. And the virgin birth bypassed the curse of Adam. And so Christ is born. But what is so cool is Joseph is betrothed to Mary and becomes the stepfather to Jesus, which makes Jesus the royal king of Israel as Joseph is rightfully in line, but he's cursed. But because Jesus is not of the blood of Joseph, he is legally, rightfully the king through Joseph's line. 
but bypasses the curse. There's nobody else that could do this. There's no one else that can fit in this perfect construction of who Messiah would be. Jesus bypasses the curse of Adam, bypasses the curse of Judah, bypasses the curse on the royal line of Solomon, and is the legal heir through Nathan and Mary, his mother, and the royal heir through Joseph. He's the right man to be the King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen? Why do I say that? Because you're the right person. I don't care what your grandma did, what your grandfather did. I don't care what your mother did, your father did. I don't care what you did before you knew the Lord Jesus Christ. But God broke every curse upon you by the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus is a curse breaker. You are the right person. God has called you. God put His Spirit in you. You're the one now to be the one who will bring Christ to the people at this season. So I conclude with this, brothers and sisters. Jesus is God's victory over sin. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. At the right time, watch for it. The right word, God's word in your mouth, you're the right person. One who was bypassed by the curse of sin. You are now under the blood of Jesus. And so in this season, God's calling you to be the witness. We might seem weak and vulnerable, but under the divine call of God, one person can change the world. That's the Christmas story. You're that one person. God has called you. Insignificant in His coming, but of all significance. At the right time, He is the right person that changed your life forever. And now you have that privilege to do the same thing in someone else's life.